This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Welcome. This is the One Year Bible Reading for February 13th, and we are beginning today in Exodus chapter 35, starting in verse 10. Come, all of you who are gifted craftsmen, construct everything that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle and its sacred tent, its coverings, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases, the ark and its carrying poles, the ark's cover, the place of atonement, the inner curtain to shield the ark, the table, its carrying poles, and all its utensils, the bread of the presence, for light, the lampstand, its accessories, the lamp cups, and the olive oil for lighting, the incense altar and its carrying poles, the anointing oil and fragrant incense, the curtain for the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering, the bronze grating of the altar and its carrying poles and utensils, the wash basin with its stand, the curtains for the walls of the courtyard, the posts and their bases, the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the tent pegs, excuse me, of the tabernacle and courtyard and their ropes, the beautifully stitched garments for the priest to wear while ministering in the holy place, the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons to wear as they minister as priests. So the whole community of Israel left Moses and returned to their tents. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of its rituals, for the sacred garments. Both men and women came, all those whose hearts were willing. They brought to the Lord their offerings of gold, brooches, earrings, rings from their fingers and necklaces. They presented gold objects of every kind as a special offering to the Lord. All those who owned the following items willingly brought them, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat hair for cloth tanned ram skins and fine goatskin leather, and all who had silver and bronze objects gave them as a sacred offering to the Lord, and those who had acacia wood brought it for use in the project. All the women who were skilled in sewing and spinning prepared blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen cloth. All the women who were, who were willing to use their skills to spin the goat hair into yarn. The leaders brought onyx stones and the special gemstones to be set in the ephod and the priest's chest piece. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light, the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense. So the people of Israel, every man and woman who was eager to help in the work of the Lord, had that the word had the excuse me that the work that the Lord had given them through Moses, brought their gifts and gave them freely to the Lord. That is a beautiful example of the body of Christ working together. Then Moses told the people of Israel, The Lord has specially chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hor, of the tribe of Judah. The Lord has filled Bezalel with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. And the Lord has given both him and Oholiab, son of Asamach, from the tribe of Dan, 
the ability to teach their skills to others. The Lord has given them special skills as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet thread on fine linen cloth and weavers. They excel as craftsmen and as designers. The Lord has given gift, has gifted Bezalel, Aholiab, and the other skilled craftsmen with wisdom and ability to perform any task involved in building the sanctuary. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord has commanded. So Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and all the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and were eager to get to work. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. But the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. Finally, the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary left their work. They went to Moses and reported, The people have given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. The skilled craftsmen made ten curtains of finely woven linen for the tabernacle. Then Bezalel decorated the curtains with blue, purple, and scarlet thread and with skillfully embroidered cherubim. All ten curtains were exactly the same size, 42 feet long and 6 feet wide. Five of these curtains were joined together to make one long curtain, and the other five were joined to make a second long curtain. He made 50 loops of blue yarn and put them along the edge of the last curtain in each set. The 50 loops along the edge of one curtain matched the 50 loops along the edge of the other curtain. Then he made 50 gold clasps and fastened the long curtains together with the clasps. In this way, the tabernacle was made of one continuous piece. He made 11 curtains of goat hair cloth to serve as a tent covering for the tabernacle. These 11 curtains were all exactly the same size, 45 feet long and 6 feet wide. Bezalel joined five of these curtains together to make one long curtain, and the other six were joined to make a second long curtain. He made 50 loops for the edge of each long, large curtain. He also made 50 bronze clasps to fasten the long curtains together. In this way, the tent covering was made of one continuous piece. He completed the tent covering with a layer of tanned ram skins and a layer of fine goatskin leather. For the framework of the tabernacle, Bezalel constructed frames of acacia wood. Each frame was 15 feet high and 27 inches wide, with two pegs under each frame. All the frames were identical. He made 20 of these frames to support the curtains on the south side of the tabernacle. He also made 40 silver bases, two bases under each frame, with the pegs fitting securely into the bases. For the north side of the tabernacle, he made another 20 frames, with their 40 silver bases, two bases under each frame. He made six frames for the rear, the west side of the tabernacle, along with two additional frames to reinforce the rear corners of the tabernacle. These corner frames were matched at the bottom and firmly attached at the top with a single ring, forming a single corner unit. Both of these corner units were made the same way. So there were eight frames at the rear of the tabernacle set in 16 silver bases, two bases under each frame. Then he made the crossbars of acacia wood to link the frames, 
five crossbars for the north side of the tabernacle and five for the south side. He also made five crossbars for the rear of the tabernacle, which faced west. He made the middle crossbar to attach halfway up the frames. It ran all the way from one end of the tabernacle to the other. He overlaid the frames with gold and made gold rings to hold the crossbars. Then he overlaid the crossbars with gold as well. For the inside of the tabernacle, Bezalel made a special curtain of finely woven linen. He decorated it with blue, purple, and scarlet thread and with skillfully embroidered cherubim. For the curtain, he made four posts of acacia wood and four gold hooks. He overlaid the posts with gold and set them in four silver bases. Then he made another curtain for the entrance to the sacred tent. He made it of finely woven linen and embroidered it with exquisite designs using blue, purple, and scarlet thread. This curtain was hung on gold posts or hooks and attached to five posts. The posts with their decorated tops and hooks were overlaid with gold, and the five bases were cast from bronze. Matthew 27, beginning in verse 32. And Jesus is on the way to Golgotha. Along the way, they came across a man named Simon, who is from Cyrene. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus's cross. And they went out to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. The soldiers gave him wine mixed with bitter gall, but when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders, under, bystanders understood and thought, misunderstood and thought that he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so that he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And we've talked before about how thick and uh, formidable that curtain was um, and really what a miraculous event this was. The earth shook, rocks split apart and tombs opened the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. 
They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the son of God. And many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb and watching. The next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told him, Sir, we remember what that deceiver once said while he was still alive. After three days, I will rise from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone he was raised from the dead. If that happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. Pilate replied, take guards and secure it the best you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. Psalm 34, a Psalm of David, regarding the time he pretended to be insane in front of Abimelech who sent him away. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you godly, his godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong lions, young lions sometimes go hungry. But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Proverbs 9, 7 and 8. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you. But correct the wise and they will love you. And to end, we are turning once again to Psalm 131, uh, focusing on verse 2, which says, I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. The psalmist's selection of the image of a weaned child to indicate the degree of trust in God is a very meaningful one. I like the way the Living Bible paraphrases the verse we are considering. I am quiet now before the Lord, just as a child who is weaned from the breast. Yes, my begging has been stilled. The man or woman who knows the Lord intimately is not, as C.H. Spurgeon put it, like an infant crying loudly for his mother's breast, but like a weaned child that quietly rests by his mother's side, happy in being with her. 
In the normal course of events, a child who has been weaned no longer views the mother as an object for his own satisfaction, but learns to love her for her own sake. So it is with us also. When we are spiritually weaned, we learn to love God for himself and not as a means to fulfilling our own wishes. The image of the weaned child suggests too that the psalmist had not reached the place of trust without a struggle with his self-centered soul. The transition from sucking infant to weaned child is not easy. I often meet Christians, especially those who have not been converted long, who say, I no longer feel like I did when I first became a Christian. Has God abandoned me? He doesn't seem to answer my prayers the way he once did. Why? The answer is this, you are being weaned. You are being set free to enjoy God for who he is, not for what he does. Father, we accept that the time of weaning is marked with noise and misunderstanding. Forgive us for our slowness in realizing this. Help me to come through to maturity of trust with as little commotion as possible. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that is an encouragement if you are going through that weaning process and perhaps the Lord is growing us all in different areas, uh, no matter how long we've been walking with him. So may we submit to his growth with a minimum of commotion. <laughs> Love you all. Have a wonderful day.